Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. You can reach Hector as he, of course, will help you plan for you and your family's future. Easy to get a hold of at 940-453-3490. Also, of course, brought to you by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, Doc? I would be the non-sexy one, Matt McLaren, and this is Jam Session, the podcast version 190, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. As we were, there's no doubt, we were, of course, on Saturday night with the Cowboys for the second time in three weeks, putting up a 50 spot with 51 points on the road to close out their 2021 regular season with the monster win over the hated Philadelphia Eagles. We'll take a quick look at that. The playoffs are set. We know what's happening next weekend at AT AT&T Stadium. We do have a lot to discuss, but we can't do it without our sponsors making this possible. And that's where Hector Flores with Modern Woodmen of America comes in. The third largest fraternal benefit society in the nation. It's a unique combination of business and giving back to those who they serve. If you are looking to plan for your future, if you'd like to get your family set up to be taken care of, Hector's the first call you need to make. If you've been trying to figure out how to put a little something aside, Hector is the man who can plan that path for you. 940-453-3490. I would recommend you pick up the phone and give Hector a call. Well, that's because Hector's all about putting a plan together, man. And it doesn't matter whether you want to be really conservative or you want to be really aggressive or you want to be somewhere in the, in the middle and you're moderate. All you need is a plan because Hector will teach you that time is the most important thing you have. And it doesn't matter whether you're talking about 25, 35, 45, whatever. It's about time. And Hector can put you a plan together that takes advantage of the time that you've got. That's why you got to give him a call. It's Hector Flores with Modern Woodmen of America. Get that plan in place. Let him plan for you and your family's future. 940-453-3490. Give him a call. Also, of course, our friends, the attorneys, the green team, with Robert Greening, the attorneys at Greening Law. If you have been hurt in a car accident, if you experienced malpractice, they've represented clients from car accidents to birth injuries to sexual assault cases involving clergy and hospitals and all kinds of things. They are your fierce competitor against the insurance company, so you need to give them, pick up the phone, give them a call. I think the thing about it is at Greening Law, man, the, the consultation is free. 
the thing about it is they know the answers to questions that you're not even sure is supposed to be asked. They headline things for you. They tell you what to look out for. They fight for you. Pick up the phone, give them a call. Consultation's free. And if they take you on as a client, they don't get paid unless you get paid, which I always think is a big deal. That's exactly right. And as you said, that consultation is free. If you think you've got a case, the best thing to do is pick up the phone and give them a call and see if you can help each other. 972-934-8900. It's 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening Offices, Dallas, Texas. So the Dallas Cowboys, we already knew they were going to the playoffs. The question was going to be, and we did not know until the end of the afternoon games here on Sunday, we didn't know who it was going to be against. All we knew was that there was a chance, based on what the Cowboys did on Saturday night against Philadelphia, finishing the season at 12-5, and putting up a colossal 51-26 to win, that they would need some help, but they could move up in the seedings. Well, that's exactly what happened because they won – Arizona lost and the Rams lost. That means that the Dallas Cowboys are going into the playoffs as a 12 and 5 three seed, and they will host next weekend. And we haven't seen an official time yet, but maybe it'll be announced while we're doing the podcast here. But they will host the San Francisco 49ers in the wild card round of the playoffs next weekend. A dangerous 49ers team. But I got to say, and we'll get into this a little bit more after we look at Philadelphia, it's it, it just feels better than having to go up against Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford and Kyler Murray and the weapons that Arizona has when they're healthy. It just it feels better that you're going to have to deal with a quarterback that isn't one of those guys. It don't really feel that much better to me, bro. You still got to figure out how to deal with Debo Samuel. Well, I, I don't even think that's the issue, man. I think um, then it's just, just me and literally the uh, the parents came out less than 30 minutes ago. So it's not like I've studied this. Yeah. But to me, if you look at what the Cowboys do best, it's really all the stuff that their secondary can do and their pressure can do and their rush can do. That ain't really that big a deal against San Francisco because they're trying to hide the quarterback. And you saw against the Rams today, if you can't, if you don't have answers for their run game, mm. Kyle Shanahan won't won't throw the ball. <laughs> He'll just keep running. So I think it's a it's a much more difficult matchup than the others. And while it might not sound as scary because they just showed up and they haven't really been a factor all year, uh, they pose some problems that those other teams don't, I think. Yeah, and they've won four out of their last five and, of course, knocked off the Rams on Sunday to get into the playoffs. And the Cowboys, as that three seed, only two teams in the NFL all year lost fewer games than the Dallas Cowboys as both the Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers finish at 13-4 and four on the season. Everyone else in the NFL lost at least – five or more games and the Cowboys one of those now the Cowboys closed out the season I'm going to be honest with you I, I I have I don't put a lot of stock into this because the Eagles didn't give a flying rat's ass about this game they didn't start Jalen Hurts they were basically playing as many possible backups as they possibly could but I guess the good news is is that if you're going to be Dallas and you were going to play your starters as much as Dallas did for the most part then you better go out there and do what you did. And, and the Cowboys thumped them. The offense looked like it was in sync. Dak had a phenomenal game, made some great... I mean, he was 21-27 with five touchdown passes and had a, a virtually perfect passer rating on the night. They gave it enough to Zeke to allow him to do some things, including the first 20-plus yard run 
I think that he had since, I don't even remember the last one, that one that he had that he scampered for 26. There were some nice things. There were some really positive, nice things. And I do wonder if maybe it does give them some momentum and they do get a little confidence, at least with the offense clicking. But then I sit there and I go, okay, but Philadelphia played all their backups. I think it's a situation, dog, where, um, like, I'm not a big momentum person. Uh, I'm just not because each game is so different. Uh, So that's just me. So I don't really get into momentum. I do believe in confidence. I think that's the most important thing. And I think there's something to be said for going out there, even though um, Philadelphia didn't play its best players, to executing and, like you said, doing what you're supposed to do against backups. And defensively, it took them way too long to get started. But offensively, they did their thing early and often and took advantage of the Eagles' defense. And that, you know – the way they've been playing, this, I think, reminds them of what they can do again on a given night. Yeah, and, and again, it's it's weird because you had two out of the last three games, they put up 50 points. So because of that, they end up putting up the most points in franchise history. It's the second most points per game they've ever averaged. It's one of those weird things because, like I said, it's like they left Zeke in long enough to make sure he could crack 1,000 yards. He ends up with 87 yards rushing on the night. He finishes the season with 1,002 yards. Dak sets the Cowboys franchise record for passing touchdowns in a single season, breaking Romo's old record. It had been 36. Dak finishes with 37. But yes, the asterisk of all time is it took you 17 games to do some of these things. I, I don't know what to make of this game other than, like I said, they did what they were supposed to do. To your point, it felt like the defense for a long time, you were sitting there going, okay, the offense looks like they're going to do their thing, but why is the defense allowing Gardner Minshew and a bunch of spares on the Philly offense to move the ball down the field? I mean, it was 17-17 late in the first half before the Cowboys finally pulled away, and then obviously they were able to get a quick score there before the half, and and that's kind of when things started to get lopsided in the second half especially, but... You know, they kind of let the Eagles offense hang around for a half. I don't think they played by far anywhere close to their best football defensively. But then again, they also, you know, they were missing several guys. Right, yeah. No Micah, um, no Anthony Brown. Yeah, I think Randy Gregory played 10 snaps. You know, they and starting cornerbacks with Nashawn Wright and Kelvin Joseph, who actually played pretty well, I think. Um, So my my point being, um, you know, they, they did what they should have done or what you would have hoped they had done had they lost that game. We'd all be screaming. So uh, so they get credit for winning. Um, it's amazing that we can thumb our nose up at 50 points like, well, big deal. They scored 50. Who really cares? Um, you know, when I think that's the most that they'd ever scored on the road against Philly in the history of the, uh, the matchup. Um, so, uh, I mean, I think this much is clear, Doug. When the Cowboys play their best football in offense and defense, they literally can beat anybody in the in the NFL. They, I don't think they fear anybody in the NFL. And if they would bring their A game, they could get to the Super Bowl. The issue is they haven't done that in so long that there's no reason to expect them to do it now. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and so the Cowboys wrap up the regular season again. The NFC East Championship, we already know about. They are 12-5. and five, And you can say whatever you want about this team, but the reality of it is there's only two teams in, in the entire NFL that lost fewer games, and all these teams are flawed. 
Every single one of them. You, you can go through and look at it, and much like how the Cowboys knocked off a couple of teams that ended up being decent teams, like New England or potentially even the Chargers, if, if they end up making the playoffs here tonight and you can circle some teams that they've beaten playoff teams in, I mean, the reality of it is you can sit here and say, well, they haven't beaten anybody. They beat the Eagles twice, and that's, the, that's a playoff team. The Eagles are a playoff team. So all the people that argue, well, they don't beat any playoff teams, they've actually beaten a handful of playoff teams on their schedule this year. They took advantage of playing in the NFC East. They went 6-0 and against the East, and they're in the tournament. And we'll see what that turns out. But the reality of it is they will host the home playoff game against San Francisco next weekend. And if they can beat San Francisco, they would then either host a divisional round if Philadelphia wins, or if Tampa beats Philadelphia, as you would expect, then Dallas would have to go on the road and it could come to fruition what Dak Prescott told Tom Brady at the end of the season opener when Tampa Bay hit that field goal in the last second to beat Dallas. Dak told Tampa and told Tom Brady on the field, we'll see you again in a Dallas playoff. I mean, it, it could set up exactly that. I mean, Dallas could be back in Tampa in a couple of weeks for a shot at playing in the NFC Championship game. Uh, yeah, that would be cool. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, none at all. I think it's uh, actually. I think they have a better route that way than going to play uh, Green Bay in the divisional round. I agree. I agree. If, yeah. if everything held up, because at least you would assume the weather in Tampa would cooperate, and so it's now it's just about football. Yeah. And uh, and whether you can you know make it happen or not um, against against that team. But anyway, I think uh, I think this the San Francisco thing is an intriguing matchup. Um, I think that uh, it's. Uh, they can certainly win it. I mean, I, I would, you know, they'll be favored in all of that. And mm-hmm. I think we would expect them to win it. But it's a very tricky game. It's a tough game because, you know, San Francisco's got a unique offense. And when he's got his rhythm, your boy's a good play caller, man. Uh, he's just been out of, out of sync and out of whack most of the year. But it seems like he's got a little something right now. And Kyle Shanahan, I think, is one of the best play callers in the league. Yeah, he is. And, and, I like this. I, I I thought the Cowboys would win a playoff game. I still believe that. I think the path is there, like you said. I'd, I'd much prefer that you don't have to go to Lambeau until the NFC Championship game. And, and we, they can beat Tampa Bay. They almost beat Tampa Bay the first week of the season. I mean, it came down to a final second field goal for Tampa Bay. It's not like that was some lopsided game. We'll see. This is a, a Cowboys team that is capable of putting together a a win or two. I, I still have a hard time believing they get past the divisional round, but right. stranger things have happened. Uh, again, like you said, I don't know that we look at the NFL this year outside of Green Bay, who's the one team I would not want to play until you absolutely have to. I really believe that you look around the league, there's no great team. There's no team that you really fear. If Dallas shows up and plays and the offense is going to start clicking a little bit more, they're very capable of making a run and beating anybody and, and making this a magical season. But they've got to do that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. We just haven't seen the consistency this year. I mean, that's been the whole thing. There's been no consistency. Um, offensively, defensively, you know, special teams, none of it's been consistent from start to finish all year. There's been ebb and flow in all of it. And so um, if they can ever find that, then yeah, they can they can go play and compete and beat anybody. The question is, you know, whether they'll actually do that. You've got in the playoffs in the NFC, they're already all locked in, and so the Packers, of course, get the first round by. The way that they do it is the lowest seed to win 
would then move on to play the Packers. So if the Eagles upset the Buccaneers, they would play the Packers. Now, if it goes chalk, it would end up being Tampa and Dallas in the divisional round, and then the Rams would play the Packers in the divisional round. Arizona is the five seed. They will play in L.A. against the Rams next weekend as the four. And then, as we mentioned, San Francisco in Dallas and Philadelphia in Tampa Bay. But you never know. I mean, this has been a wonky year. I have a hard time believing the Eagles are going to offer much resistance for Tampa, but maybe they do. And, and maybe somehow magically the Cowboys can beat the 49ers and end up hosting a home playoff game next week, which would be awesome. I, I will say it's nice. This kind of is the old school way it used to be Cowboys 49ers in the playoffs, as we all know, many, many times over the course of the years. And I think I would prefer seeing those old highlights and being reminded of what this used to be rather than seeing the graphic all week long and how Kyler Murray's 8-0 in AT&T Stadium or whatever it is. <laughs> no, I think, uh, I mean, I think there's, there's room for nostalgia, especially Cowboys 49ers history. I think, uh, you know, it's fantastic. And uh, they'll be allowed to talk about that this week. Uh, but, uh, yeah, man, you know. <laughs> That's a lot better than hearing Kyler Murray because Kyler Murray is also a problem. You know, there's no great teams, obviously, in the playoffs this year, I think. Uh, but there's also, you know, every team's got some stuff that you don't want to deal with, yeah. which is why they're in the playoffs. And, you know, um, uh, you know, the Cowboys get a lot of criticism around DFW. A lot of it's warranted. But, you know, the reality is Matt keeps pointing out is they did somehow win 12 games. Uh, I think only one team won more. And so um, – there, there's not a bunch of teams going, oh, goody, we get to go play the Dallas Cowboys. Right. And so sometimes I think we forget about that. But when you flip it around, um, in San Francisco, they're not going, oh, yeah, we get great. We got the Cowboys. What a fantastic deal that is for us. They're like, damn, how the hell do we deal with this team? Yeah, and, and I mean, that's just the reality of what it is, man. And, you know, the 49ers and the Cowboys have not played in the playoffs since the famous loss in the 94 NFC Championship game. The 38-28 loss was the last time that these two teams met in the playoffs. So it kind of rekindles all that early 90s nostalgia from when they played three consecutive years. You know, the whole catch with Dwight Clark back in 81. And they had even played in the, in the playoffs a couple of years prior to that. But this, this could be another classic. And you just, you kind of look around the league and it's interesting. I think a lot of people thought the Rams, who have been playing really good football lately, and I think they had come in today winning five in a row, that they could dispose of the San Francisco 49ers. They couldn't. But then you dive into the Rams schedule, much like how people want to talk trash about the Cowboys. Well, I haven't beaten anybody. Here's who the Rams have beaten. The Rams beat Tampa Bay, and they beat Arizona. Outside of that, they didn't beat anybody else who's going to the playoffs. Okay. But we all, everybody wants to talk trash about how the Cowboys built their schedule, and that's just the reality of what this season is there are no great teams the key was finding a way to beat some of these other teams finding a way beating new england earlier in the year you have to give them credit for that beating the chargers who may end up going to the playoffs and then taking care of business when the opportunities were there to beat up on a division like the nfc east which is exactly what they did and when you do that and you credit the cowboys with their two wins over the philadelphia eagles who are going to the playoffs they have actually beaten more playoff teams than some of the other teams. So, again, I feel like there's this negativity, and I get it about the Cowboys because we haven't seen them get past a divisional round, and everybody wants to tweet at us or send us messages on Instagram. Oh, so what? Maybe they'll win a playoff game, and then it's one and done. Probably, but maybe not. And 
I, I, I don't know what to expect. I really don't. I hope that next week against San Francisco, the offense is clicking, and maybe that gives you some confidence moving forward. But this team has just been so mattingly inconsistent that we really don't know what to expect, it feels like, on any given week. And so I get the frustrations because that's where it comes from. That in 25 years of, well, so what? We, ha- we can't even make the conference title game. Um, I think all of that makes sense, man. I think uh, there's some frustration and there's some, some I've been let down so much in the past that I don't want to, uh, I don't want to get my hopes up and all of that. And so um, I, I get that, man. I understand it. But as you know, this is Mike McCarthy's team, even though, and it's easy for me to say this because I don't have the same emotional investment, but the sins of Wade, Wade Phillips are not the sins of Mike McCarthy. Right. And the sins of Chan Gailey and, you know, everybody else over the last 25 years, those are not Mike McCarthy's sins. And so when you say, well, it's been 26 years, well, it's only been two under Mike McCarthy's watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so – you just have to understand that. And so I get why where the frustration comes from, but we're only two years into this regime. And so you can't really, I mean, you can, but it don't make sense to throw all the baggage onto those teams. Like, clearly, there ain't nobody on this team that's, you know, got anything to do with the 14 disappointment or the 16 right. disappointment or, or, or any of those disappointments. I guess Matt, I guess Dak does, but well, yeah, some know. of those guys were on the sixteen team, of course. But to your point, but, you know, fourteen and 07 right, and, and all this other stuff, you know, is history. Yeah, and, and and to your point, when you look at it and you look at this, is why they wanted Mike McCarthy. They wanted Mike McCarthy because they believed they had a team that was good enough to get into the playoffs. Last year was such a colossal disaster. I think that we're all willing to admit that. But I think when you look at it, this is one of the reasons why they brought in Mike McCarthy was because he is a guy that has had success in the playoffs. He is a guy who, when he was with Green Bay, now granted, yeah, they only got to one Super Bowl. Somehow, Aaron, the high and mighty, the great, the brilliant goat of Aaron Rodgers has only ever played in one Super Bowl. And Mike McCarthy was the coach when they did that. But this is also a guy who has multiple, multiple playoff wins and has shown the ability to get his team a playoff win or two in a variety of different seasons. And it's easy to sit there and say, well, Aaron Rodgers was his quarterback. Well, then why did they only go to one Super Bowl? Yeah, you can't have it both ways, and so many people try to have it right. both ways. Um, I think we've found out – okay, check this out. I think that we found out that Mike McCarthy is not a perfect coach. How about that? <laughs> but I also think we found out that he is actually a, a pretty good coach. Um, I think for a long time we wondered, okay, what's he do? Where's his impact? And I think we see his impact is in his aggressiveness and the tone and the tenor in which they play. And so he's kind of figured out how to rub off on those guys that way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I see uh, his approach. And, uh, you know, Doug, I think, uh, I think they got a shot. And I think Mike McCarthy's a, a reason why they got a shot. Yeah, he's 10-8 and all-time in the playoffs. So he's got 10 playoff wins as a coach. And again, is, when he was with Green Bay, led them to multiple NFC Championship games. And now that is the task. I mean, you, th- this really is setting up to where it could be. Maybe it's a destiny run where you got to get past the old-school rivalry of the early 90s and the 49ers. Then you got to go on the road and avenge your week one loss to Tampa Bay when Dak told Tom Brady, we'll see you again. And then if you can potentially do those two things, Mike McCarthy has a very nice chance to go on the road 
and have to beat down his former team and his former quarterback to try and get this Cowboys franchise to a place they haven't been since I was in high school. Wow. It's, uh, it, uh, it's going to take a hell of a run, hell of a run for them to get, shoot, dog, just to the NFC Championship game. It is. On the Super Bowl. But I will say this is a tremendously talented roster uh, from top to bottom. And on a given day, they can really make it happen. Um, I don't know if that given day will happen, but I can't sit here and tell you I'd be shocked by anything that they did, whether it was profoundly great or profoundly disappointing. Nothing would really shock me just because with all the talent, man, I still don't know exactly who they are. I don't either, but my God, they've got to win next weekend. You've got to get a playoff win. I mean, you talk um, about it. You're 12-5. and five, You win the division. If you can't get out of the wild card playoff and you host the game in your stadium, that would be, an, that, again, another colossal disappointment. At least if you make it and then you get beat by Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, part of you, at least for me, is kind of like, I'm, it's the GOAT. It's Tom Brady. But you got, I mean, you got to beat San Francisco. You're at home. You're the three seed. Yeah, we'll spend a lot of time talking about it this week, but but you and I both know, dog. They're 9-0 when they score first. When they start off with a bang and they're playing good from the jump and they're locked in and focused, they're hard to beat. It'll be the same way with San Francisco. If you can jump up on them, uh, despite them rallying from 17-0 today and force them to, uh, to have to get away from their running game, then you can beat them up and destroy them. But if you let them hang around, man, and feel confident, brother, can be a long night with some slow sing, slow walking and some sad singing off the field. Yeah, we'll find out, but that it is. It is the Cowboys and 49ers for the first time in the playoffs since 1994, that year when San Francisco got them and Steve Young beat the Chargers in the Super Bowl finally that, that kind of threw a, a kink in the Cowboys' plans of four straight Super Bowls. But we'll get them again. And, and again, I haven't seen, and if they happen to announce it while we're recording the podcast here, we'll obviously let you guys know, but you'll know by the time that you listen to this, what time and what day that that's going to be. Archer had something he tweeted out earlier and said, folks that he's talked to in the organization seem to think that it'll be either Sunday night or that they may be the Monday night wildcard football game because they added a, a wildcard game on Monday night this year. All about ratings, baby. Indeed. So. You know, wherever they think that, I mean, the Cowboys are going to draw wherever you put them. So it's just, you know, potato, potato. And then, of course, over in the AFC, Tennessee locked up home field advantage throughout the course. They are the one seed in the AFC. And Kansas City is the two seed. Buffalo's the three. Cincinnati is the four. Depending on what happens with the Chargers and the Raiders, if the Chargers win, New England is the five, and the Chargers are the six with Pittsburgh the seven. If Las Vegas wins, the Vegas Raiders are the fifth. New England then becomes the sixth. Pittsburgh's the seventh. If they tie, Pittsburgh does not make the playoffs, and both the Chargers and the Raiders would make the playoffs. So there's still some outcomes over there in the AFC, but it really feels like it's going to be tough. I don't know what I put into Tennessee. I really don't. I know that they've got home field advantage throughout, but that's not quite the place to play that, say, going on the road to a Buffalo in New England or an Arrowhead in Kansas City is. No, I, think, um, I think Buffalo and Kansas City are two best teams. I think Tennessee um, is, is uh, I mean, Mike Vrabel is their coach. He's off the Bill Belichick tree, and I think yeah. that they're just like New England, which is you got to go beat them. They don't hand you anything. They're not helping you win, uh, but they're also not – you know, 
uber talented, so you got a chance to uh, to beat him. As we continue here on the podcast, let's tell you, have you gotten your bruise built on yet? You're going to want it. I'll tell you this. As a matter of fact, everybody's going to be having these playoff watching parties. People are going to have, you know, hey, come over. Let's watch the game next weekend. You should order your bruise built on now so that you can share it with friends when they come over to watch these games, because I think everybody will highly enjoy this. I love it. Biltong is like beef jerky, but it isn't. It's something totally different. It's a traditional South African air-dried meat. It's better than beef jerky. It's more savory. It's more tender. And the best part, zero sugar, zero artificial ingredients. And if you get their little two-ounce snack bags that they have, 240 calories, 30 grams of protein per bag. It is delicious. You know, that's why I rock with it, man. Um, I like the slice built on to me. You know, it's always goofy when you're talking about, you know, dried meat and you're talking about oh, it's succulent and it's pretty mm. juicy because you're used to, you know, the other one jerky that gets in your teeth. And this yep. is kind of the opposite, bro. It's uh, it's fantastic. Y'all know how I am about my weight. And so I like in the afternoon. Um, it's a really good snack for me with a, you know, with a bottle of sparkling water. Yeah, I'm bougie like that. But uh, the built on dog. Y'all need to give it a whirl. It's fantastic. It's Bruce Biltong. That's the website you go to. It's B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G.com. BruceBiltong.com. That is the Biltong that you need to get. And the best part, not only is it fantastic, not only are you going to love it, you get 15% off when you use the promo code JAM15 at checkout. That's J-A-M-15. 15 Use that at checkout. You get 15% off your orders. You are going to love this. Okay, Bill Tong is badass. Eat it. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yes, sir. Elsewhere, of course, Blue Star Motor Group, Deb and her husband, Mike. If you are looking to buy or sell, and I've, I've told you guys this recently, but this is the truth. You need to include them in the conversation. Whether it's you're trying to sell your car or buy a new one, you need to touch base with Blue Star Motor Group. Shoot Deb a text or give her a call at 817 817- 881-4066. Let her know what's going on and see if they can help you because a lot of the times they're going to be able to beat the price that you're getting with the dealer because they have such low overhead. It's local, it's family owned, and they want to work with you so that you both win. That's the best setup about this. So you've got to include them in your car buying or selling process. Dude, I mean, I've been telling you forever that the thing about it is Deb makes a great deal. And she makes a great deal for one. They don't have a lot of overhead, as Matt told you. But two, she ain't got an answer to nobody. She is the boss. There's no finance manager. There's no GM. There's nobody. She can go make a deal whether you want to buy a car, whether you want to sell a car. You got to give her a call. She gets back to you quickly. And as I like to say, man, when the handshakes are done and the contracts are signed, it's a win-win for everybody. That's why they roll. It is. It is Blue Star Motor Group. You can check them online at bluestarmotorgroup.com or give her a call. Shoot her a text. Just touch base. Keep in mind, especially if you're looking to sell your vehicle, they will come to you and they will give you cash on site for your car. It's 817-881-4066, bluestarmotorgroup.com. Also, of course, Aaron and his team over at HFX Foundation Solutions, a full-service foundation repair company. They service all of DFW. If you've been noticing with the wonky weather that we've been having with the differences in heat and cold, if you started noticing some cracks or sticking doors, things like that, that could be your home telling you that there's a problem. Now, you may not have one, but the best thing to do is go ahead and get Aaron out there, get that free, no-obligation inspection with HFX Foundation Solutions, you give them a call, 
770-0174. Have them come out to give you that peace of mind, or if there is a problem, they'll they'll help you take care of it and be with you the whole way. Yeah, the thing about HFX is it doesn't cost anything for them to come out there, check it out, and if they find something, clearly you're going to play, pay a fraction of a cost if you find something earlier than if you find it later. But the main thing, man, is the peace of mind, and that's why I call it a colonoscopy for your house. It's the peace of mind that an inspection from HFX can, can uh, take care of. Exactly, man. Online, hfxfoundation.com, or simply pick up the phone, give them a call, have them come out there. It's better to take care of this now than wait, especially with your foundation. 817-770-0174. So the NFL, everything is set and everything's ready to go, and we'll touch base and stop back down on that here momentarily. But let's take a quick trip around the block. First off, many of you will remember this man, but Bob Saget, the comedian who played the father, Danny Tanner, on the sitcom Full House, he has passed away. And this just happened. I saw it. On, everybody on Twitter is all about this. And I think part of the reason why it's so stunning is because he's only 65 years old and he was found dead in his hotel room in Orlando at the Ritz-Carlton there. But if, if you're my age, chances are you grew up at some point you have sat down and watched some Full House. Even I have seen some Full House. Now, you, y'all know I didn't really get down with that. Right. But I saw enough episodes to know, you know what it's all about and what's going on. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things on the heels of some of the others. And it's, it's weird because I've said this many times before. We're getting to a point where we're going to start realizing more and more famous people that pass away because they're all starting to get later on in life from when they first became famous, like the Al Pacinos and Robert De Niro, like that era of the world of the 60s and 70s, when those guys yeah, first first started becoming movie stars, well, they're now getting to a point. Now, Saget, only 65, is a little younger, but the reality of it is, I mean, these big-name movie stars and stuff like that, they're not getting any younger. Bro, I mean, you know, you know, it happened with Sidney Poitier right. this weekend. Yeah, and he was in his mid-90s. You know, Betty White, I mean, she was 99. Right. Yeah, they were old timers, but yeah, you're right with De Niro, Pacino, that that whole next wave, man. It's, uh, they're in the fourth quarter of life. Some of them in overtime. Plus, I mean, let's just keep it real, dog. They've lived some hard lives. Oh, no doubt. A lot of them. Um, but I, I did just read something on Sackett that said, um, no, uh, no foul play, no drugs found in his room. I guess it was just his time. I mean, you, yeah. you just never know. But, you know, there's a difference between what happens there because it is always stunning when somebody dies, I think, at that age versus like the Betty Whites and the Sidney Poitiers of the world who, I mean, they lived full, long, almost bonus year lives. Yeah, at some point you, you do have to go. I mean, let's, sad as it is. if you can get into your mid nineties, like my goodness, you are just living the life. And, you know, Sidney Poitier, as many people know, was the first African-American, the first black person to win an Academy Award for best actor. One of the great actors of all time who passed away a couple of, of days ago. Of course, I remember him. I mean, I remember him from a lot of different films, but the one that I remember the best was probably they called me Mr. Tibbs. <laughs> remember that? Did you ever see that one? Uh, in the heat of the night. Yeah, I mean that was such a good man. He he his filmography. When you look at some of the movies he was in, that dude was a beast. Yeah, because he was changing the world doing movies early early in his career. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, guess who's coming for dinner and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and even in the heat of the night, I just saw a clip the other day. Yeah. 
where uh, you know the white store on because he's in Mississippi, white store on and slaps him and he hits him back with a backhand, which you know uh, for that time was not only crazy if you tried to do that in real life, but even in the movies, it was, it was wild just because you know people weren't used to seeing uh, black people fight back like that. Yeah, man. I mean that that dude had just some of the incredible movies that he was in, some classics of all time, and of course. Uh, winning the Academy Award and you know you look at that and like you said even Betty White who was 99 and who died like a week before her 100th birthday and that was weird because everybody was like making this big deal about how she's going to have this 100th birthday celebration and I was like well maybe we I may, if I get to be 99 I may be like hey you know what well, let's wait till I wake up at 100 before we go crazy about me turning 100. I mean that's clearly the point in life where you got to take it one day at a time. No doubt <laughs> where you wake up and you're like is this heaven or is nope nope okay this is still real life all right I got you I mean that is insane so you had that and then the other thing I wanted to get into and I find this interesting because I've continued I haven't put a number on my book goal this year but my goal is just to read some every single day of the year and so I just finished my first book of the year and it was a long one it was 670 some odd pages long good lord and it was simply called Led Zeppelin the biography and oh, you finished that thing already? I did. I did. I, I, I have read a bunch this week, and I probably read combined like five or six hours the last two days. Good Just look. knocking that out. But Led Zeppelin, the biography, and it's interesting because it was written by Bob Spitz, who is the same guy who apparently wrote what is considered to be the, the greatest biography of all time on the Beatles. And this right. book was so in-depth and so well done that it makes me want to read the Beatles book I mean, this, the stories and the research that this guy did in, in mapping out each of the four individuals of Led Zeppelin, their lives, how they became the musician that they were individually before how they met and formed the band. And then really, you know, it's interesting, too, because I, I, I don't really know a lot about Led Zeppelin. It was before my time because their drummer, John Bonham, who they called Bonzo, died of a right. drug overdose in 1980. And the band was done. Like after that, they, they, they were done. And so the bulk of what they were was the, maybe the last couple of years of the 60s. But in the 70s, they became like the hard rock kings of the planet. Right. And I just never really knew them very well. But it's funny because reading this book, and I don't even know, like I'm not a Led Zeppelin fan. I wasn't like, oh, I love Led Zeppelin. Can't wait to read. I just was curious about anytime you can read stories about rock stars, the stories are just so mind boggling that they seem fake. Yeah, because they live a life we've never even conceived of. Like, for instance, and I, I guess in the 70s it was just a thing, but Jimmy Page, who's largely considered one of the greatest guitarists of all time, the guitarist from Led Zeppelin, you know, they would have these groupies and they would be in hotels. Most of them were underage teenage girls. And oh, it, they talk not. about it. Dude, they talk about it in the book. He dated a 14-year-old when he was 30 in, the, in like the mid-70s. And he was like, yeah. And in the book, it's basically talking about how that one was a little young because normally the girls were 16 or 17. But it says even 14 was a little young for Jimmy Page. So he calls her mom to make sure it's cool. And the mom, there's a quote in the book from the mom who says, well, Elvis had Priscilla and my baby had Jimmy. So I figured it was okay. Oh, my God. 14 dude and like all these stories about groupies and the rock star sex they're having and all i mean some of the stuff i can't even say on the podcast it's so outrageous the stuff that these women would do that you're just 
What? And I was telling the lady friend earlier, because apparently this John Bonham dude was known as like this wild ass, like crazy dude. He hated touring, hated being right. away from his family in England. So he drank and did drugs like crazy. And that whenever he would drink or get high, he would get so just violent that he would go like they'd have a hotel at like the nice Hilton in New York or whatever. He'd go into his hotel room, smash everything and throw it out the window. Jeez, I mean, what's his deal? He bipolar? Or I don't know. It, but manic or I thought, can you imagine you're walking down the street in a downtown setting and a couch comes flying out a window from eight stories above you? Bro. And then Led Zeppelin would just pay the tab. They'd be like, oh, it's $13,000 for this room damage. Oh, okay, no big deal. <laughs> I mean, it, it's... That, that's it's, the entitlement of richness, man. It doesn't matter what color you are. If you're oh, rich no like that, there's a certain entitlement yeah. that comes with it. Yeah, because they would get people to do something, and it would basically be like, well, what if we gave you this much money? Would you let us do this? Just to see what yeah. people would do. And they could get away with it, and they had all this like elite-level fame and fortune and I'd never really, it's funny because Led Zeppelin's one of those bands that I actually, on Friday night, I sat down and I just played some Led Zeppelin music. I was like, oh my God, I know basically all these songs. I just, I don't know if I ever really knew this was Led Zeppelin. I mean, some of them, obviously, like, you know, A Whole Lot of Love or especially Stairway to Heaven. Everybody knows that song or Cashmere or something like that. But some of the cuts that had been really big in the earlier 70s that I wasn't really familiar with that, I mean, I couldn't believe how many songs like back to back to back they I heard and I was like, oh yeah, I know this song. I just didn't know that this was like the title of the song or whatever. I, I get that. Um, now, I'm not going to sit there and tell you I'm a big Led Zeppelin fan. Although uh, my former partner, Will Chambers, was a huge Led Zeppelin person. And so I'm, I'd am be surprised if he hadn't either read the book or it was on his list of things to do. Uh, and I say that only to be like, yeah, I mean, they got a long cat catalog, bro. And, uh, you know, Will used to talk about them all the time because they're such a yeah. you know, big-time band. Yeah, they were. And apparently at one point they were the largest rock band in the entire country. And they were selling out. They really were the first band that made stadium touring and selling out like 70,000, 75,000-seat stadiums everywhere they went. They brought in like this new era of stadium rock. And it's just, it's, it's fascinating to see the story and to see that once again, if drugs hadn't intervened, who knows, but they allowed drugs. A couple of them got really into drugs. It killed one of them. And they said like the last couple of years that two of the dudes in the band were so high all the time that the shows sucked and people were like, oh, they're not any good anymore. And that type of thing where it's just unfortunate. Uh, the story of just rock star excess. Dude. It's wild, man. I mean, hell, the dude playing drums, they say he, but like, it got to a point where he'd be doing a show and he'd have a bag of cocaine between his legs and any chance he got, he'd just reach down in there between him drumming and throw some cocaine in his face. <laughs> in the middle of a concert. <laughs> dude, what do you, what do you, what do you I mean, say about that? I don't know, man. What can you say about that? I don't that know. That's it's, insane. It's the rock star excess that's just, it's... That's why reading these books and reading these stories, it's it's the most incredible. Like they would they would all go like, for instance, one of the dudes would have like a really long solo. Like they would either have a really long drum solo or a really long guitar solo in a, ver right. a, a couple of different points. And like one of the guitar solos would go for 15 minutes. So the other members of the band would go off stage. And before they went back out for their next song, while they were waiting for the guitar solo to finish, groupies would go into their dressing room and blow them. And then they'd finish up and go back out and continue the concert. Good Lord. I mean, it's that level of just what are we doing? 
It's the rock star. That's why like rock stars, like rock stars at that level are on a level that I don't even think movie stars are on. Uh, you know what? I think you're right about that. I, I mean, I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because they feel more accessible. I mean, movie stars, you're not, the odds of you really yeah. seeing them somewhere are slim and none. But rock stars, you can go to a concert and depending on who you are and how you can make it happen, yeah, you can make a, a visitation come true. Yeah, it could be. Maybe that is what it is. I don't know. It's 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 interesting to think that, but you know, there's even stuff in the book about that, like how movie stars would want special treatment to get into their concerts because I, I, I don't know. It's fascinating to me, but that and there's I don't know that there's a lot of bands, and I don't know that even today in today's world you couldn't throw couches and your TV out your hotel room. I don't think they'd uh, care no. what band you are, and you couldn't do some of the things they were doing with women. There's no way they'd get arrested. There's no way in hell. Right. The world has changed. But man, for like, a, I guess for, I don't know, I guess from like Woodstock until the early 1980s, it, it, there's like a 10, 12, 13 year period where if you were a rock star in that period, it was just whatever you wanted to do and there were no laws. Dude, it's, uh, you know, musicians got it like that, man. Bands got it like that. Even the worst looking guy in the band looks like, uh, yeah. you know, a million bucks. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the whole, and it's got stories of dudes that hung around with them that weren't even in the band that got all the perks and all the women and all that type of thing. They'd be like, oh yeah, that's one of my good buddies. He's one of our, uh, he manages my guitars on stage. Go do this with him. <laughs> and the girl like, okay. But I just thought, I mean, some of the stories, it's just, it's fascinating. It's really, it was a fascinating read. And so now I got to move on and find another book to keep it rolling here in 2022, but we'll see what it is. But that was the Led Zeppelin book. And if you are a fan of Led Zeppelin at all, I think you would absolutely love the book. But even if you're like me, like, I, I mean, I, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself a Led Zeppelin fan. I don't really care either way, but I thought the story was incredible. I mean, the story of that band was absolutely fascinating. It reminded me of a book I read a couple of years ago about Motley Crue. It, it's that same type of the stuff in that book that they would do where you're just, I guess you get oh. so bored and you're so coked out on drugs and you have so much money, you just don't care. No, I think that has a lot of it. I mean, I think anything to excess. I mean, we see it not just with bands. You see it with actors. You see it with athletes. You see it with anybody yeah. who has just a certain level of money where money is not something that they think about in any way, shape, or form other than let me just go get some more. Uh, so, you know, it, it, you know where, I was curious where you thought based on the book and you're a lot more into music than me where's led zeppelin on bands they easily top five or they a top 10 band or it kind of sounds like just based on the impact that they had musically that they're up there with like the beatles and the stones okay like for what they did and and for is how great they were i mean every album they released was number one and they sold millions and millions and millions and they were doing that sound i think at a whatever sound you want to call that, like that hard rock sound, they were probably doing it better than anybody ever has. But they, they got to be considered one of the greats of all time, I would think. Okay, cool. But just based on like... 600-page book. Yeah, I mean, just based on the impact that they had. And, you know, many people consider Jimmy Page one of the great guitarists of all time and John Bonham, their drummer. Some believe he is the greatest drummer that ever lived. So it, it, it it's just, it's interesting, but it's in a different sense than what the Beatles did. And, and to some degree... Like, I think the Stones were probably similar to them, but the Rolling, like, like Led Zeppelin hated the press, and they were just kind of rambunctious and had this reputation for being kind of violent and stuff, and the Stones were considered more, 
accessible and, and like in a fame, like, like they talked to the press and they liked doing the, the meet and greets and the stuff like that, I guess, in a different right. way. So yeah. I don't know, but it was interesting. I will tell you this. If you are looking for excess, you might want to check out Smokey John's Barbecue. And I'd get that jam session bowl because if you want to eat like a rock star, that's how rock stars would eat. That jam session bowl is loaded up. You could share it with two or three people or you could just hoard it all to yourself like Led Zeppelin would do. But you're only going to know about it if you listen to the show and know that it's on the secret right. menu. Yeah, it, it doesn't exist except you have to know that we told you to go in there and get it. And then people there will be like, what? What did they just order? Well, where is that? And then they'll be like, it's not on there. It's just for us. If you know, you know. They're all, uh, but go ahead. Well, I was going to say they're also doing, because of the big games that are all coming up with the NFL playoffs and everything, told you about this on the last one, but they are doing a couple of different things here. They've got their first down pack, which is three pounds of wings, half gallon of brisket queso, and a half gallon of potato salad or baked beans for 105 bucks. Or you can get the touchdown pack. And if you're going to be having a Cowboys watching party, this is the way to go. It's three pounds of wings, a half gallon of brisket queso, two pounds of chopped brisket, two pounds of ribs, and a half gallon of potato salad and beans. All of that for only $220. And if you order that and mention that you heard about it on the Jam Session podcast, they will include a complimentary gallon of sweet tea or homemade lemonade. Dude, sign me up. I want some of that. You ain't even got to... Dude, sign me, sign your boy up. I'll take some of that. Okay. Well, I'll let him know. I mean, Juan listens to the podcast, so he'll probably just put you down for it. So yeah, that'll I'm be great. Run my credit card first. Yeah. Look for it. for your cowboy watching party <laughs> with all your buds. There you go. No, but Smokey John's Barbecue, it's right there off Mockingbird. I'm telling you, if you are planning a gathering to watch some of these games, you need to consider that because it's fantastic. Online at SmokeyJohns.com or just simply roll on over there, sit down and order the Jam Session Bowl. Also, of course, brought to you by JR, his guys over there at Freeway Tire Shop. They will get you taken care of. They worked on all of Jacques' cars. If you are looking for a mechanic you can trust that needs to enter into your brain and make you think of Freeway Tire Shop. JR, his guys, elite level customer service, competitive pricing, whether it's an oil change, a state inspection, or you need tires, or you need some serious engine work, JR will get you taken care of, and he stands behind his work. The mechanic you can trust, right there just north of downtown Dallas, off I-35 at freewaytireshop.com. You can go there, schedule your appointment, request a quote online, freewaytireshop.com. Also, of course, guys, look, you're looking to do something neat for your lady friend or perhaps ladies that are listening. If you're looking to spice up your wardrobe a little bit, check out the new online women's boutique that makes great gift for your lady or just a gift for yourself. Valentine's Day is coming up in just a few weeks. How about an e-gift card to Kinley Rose where she can select something for herself, make it a nice date night for you with a new outfit. It's Kinley Rose. KinleyRose.com, K-I-N-L-E-Y Rose.com. You can check them out on their Instagram at Shop Kinley Rose. They are focusing on attainable style without sacrificing comfort. Local small business, always great to support that. So do it now, whether it's a cute new outfit for date night or a great gift idea for you guys, check them out at KinleyRose.com. The other thing I wanted to drop into here real quick on this one is many of you will be listening to this on Monday, January 10th. 
And if you are doing that, tonight is the national championship game as Alabama will go for their ridiculous, <laughs> this is so silly, a ridiculous seventh national championship for Nick Saban as the coach at Alabama. Hey, man, it's the, uh, it's the best coach with the best players. He set up the best system. And, you know, they don't beat themselves, which is why they, they're in it every year. He's only ever won back-to-back once. That was, of course, they won in 09. Then they back-to-back in 11 and 12. They won in 15, 17, and they won last year in 2020, trying to get another back-to-back title. His seventh at Bama, his eighth of all time, as he won that first one in 03 at LSU. But Georgia standing in his way with, I mean, the storylines in this game, the master of the apprentice, Kirby Smart, who was on Nick Saban's staff as his defensive coordinator for years at Alabama, before leaving for the perfect opportunity at Georgia. He finally has Georgia on that level where they recruit on the level of an Alabama, and yet he is 0-4 against Nick Saban all time, including the last time they met in the national title game, that Tua to Devontae Smith overtime touchdown pass. They met again the next year in the SEC championship game when Tua got hurt, and they brought in Jalen Hurts to come from behind to beat Georgia. And then, of course, in the SEC championship game a month ago, this, it should be a good one. It really should be a much better game than the, than the SEC championship game a month ago, but we'll see. I think it's all about the belief, man. I mean, Georgia, as great a program as they are, do they really believe that it's their time to take down Bama? If they really believe it, then they won't play scared or tentatively like they did in the SEC championship game. They'll come out uh, guns blazing, so to speak, and, uh, and go make it happen and not be afraid of the moment. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to. Can you go just play, not be afraid of the moment, embrace that thing, and go, uh, go let them hang, man? Yeah, and, and we'll see. We will see if they can do that because it's a tall task. It's so hard to pick against Alabama until somebody shows that they can do it, especially Georgia because of everything that's in their heads and the whole relationship with Smart and Saban and all that. The fact that Georgia hasn't won a national title since 1980 and they're carrying all this weight into this game. I don't know. It's, it's, it's really interesting. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if Georgia wins. I just, it's really difficult for me when you have two teams that basically have, they're, they're very even talent-wise across the board. But one team has Bryce Young at quarterback and the other has a walk-on named Stetson Bennett at quarterback. No, I get that. And um, I mean, I think, I think most folks think Alabama will figure out a way to win. Uh, partly because, you know, Nick Saban's teams don't beat themselves. You got to go beat them. They don't make a lot of mistakes. And uh, most other teams make mistakes. I mean, to me, they're kind of like uh, UConn women were for a long yeah. time. They just, they're just machine-like in their efficiency, and they just refuse. You have to go beat them. And so that's why I say with Georgia, man, it's about belief. Where they come out there, light folks up, and, you know, all their top 30 players or so really believe in their hearts, not just what they say to the media and to their girlfriends and stuff, but in their hearts really believe that they can go take it. Then you'll show up with a different attitude. Yeah, it'll be wild watching it tomorrow night because, as everybody knows, I, I live with an Alabama fan. So it'll be it will be hardcore drilled into it, and she'll either get to experience the seventh national title of her recent adult life or they'll get the disappointment and the heartbreak. You know, I, I think for, I know a lot of Georgia fans, and for them, it would carry and mean and matter so much more. Like for Alabama, it's almost like a relief. Like, oh, thank God we won. We don't have to deal with our fan base if we had lost. 
And for right. Georgia, it would be just a, a ecstasy on a level that most of them haven't experienced in their entire lives. No, I mean, that's, uh, and I think, you know, for the reality is, I think a lot of people would like to see that. Like, okay, we've seen, um, you know, Alabama celebrate. We've seen right. Nick Saban celebrate. We've seen them win and hoist a trophy. Let's let's see what it would look like for Kirby Smart to do. Let's see what it would look like for the players on Georgia to do it, to knock off the king, a, a program like Alabama and so well-respected. Let's see how that emotional thing would look. So I think a lot of folks would like to see that, man. It's just, uh, you know, can they make it happen? Yeah, we'll see, but... I I'm gonna on my radio show I will pick Alabama to win because I, I cannot get past the fact that they have by far the best quarterback in this game, and the and the Georgia defense is gonna have to do some things to really make Bryce Young uncomfortable. It's similar like when you're playing Tom Brady. We we all know that if they can pressure him and and not just pressure him because he's good at escaping pressure and extending plays, they gotta hit him. They gotta physically affect him hit him and get him on the ground a couple of times to get in his mind a little bit. And if they can do that, then I think Georgia can win the game. But man, it's it's really hard to pick against Bryce Young, the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. In a game like this where everything is equal, I, it's so hard for me not to just say, look, they've got the better quarterback. I think they're going to win. They got the better quarterback. They got the better coach. Yeah. Um, that's usually a hard combination to win. Um, I also think if Georgia wants to win, now nah, they just have to go out and play to win. On fourth and two, you go for it. You don't punt. Right. You know, given the, given the score and the circumstance and the field position and all of that. Uh, do like Alabama. Roll in some trick plays, but don't wait till you're behind to do it. Use those to get ahead early. Um, and just be really aggressive in your approach because being a conservative approach is not going to help you beat Alabama because they're not going to make a lot of mistakes. You got to go take the game. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. We'll see what happens, and we'll talk about it on the next one. But wanted to look at this as we loop back over here in the NFL, and we kind of know all the playoff matchups and everything that is set. It is going to be interesting because we saw, I guess it was on Saturday after they lost to Kansas City, Denver, after three seasons, has fired Vic Fangio. So you now have Denver and Jacksonville that will be looking for head coaching openings. I'll be curious to see what else happens on what is usually called Black Monday in the NFL. You got to think Matt Nagy's done in Chicago. I'd be shocked if they bring him back. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I think he's gone. But they're also keeping the GM, and I think that gives him a chance to hire his third coach, which is, you know, never a good situation. And then there's a couple of things that have been out there which are interesting. Like, apparently, the Panthers have already gotten tired of Matt Rule. And, and they don't like how he's handled that. He, But they signed him to a seven-year contract for whatever reason when they brought him over. And so there is some thought that, well, maybe you got to let him hang around because he's only been there two seasons. And you give him a third season, but he hasn't had any success. The Panthers ended up, they lost their final, they were 5-5 five and five and lost their final seven games to finish 5-12. and 12. No, bro, why did he get a seven-year contract? I have no idea. That, that's, that's, well, part of the reason he got a seven-year contract was their, their whole organization was in shambles. And you were supposed to give him time to get it fixed and turn it around and change the culture and all of this. And this is why bad organizations stay yeah. on, the, on the cycle, man. This is why they stay on the cycle, because you hired them to turn it around, and then two years into it, you're like, you can't turn it around. So now what are you going to do if you want to? Fire him hire somebody else and uh you know keep keep 
keep the same uh, insanity going. Yeah. yeah, the other one is the Giants with Joe Judge. They they lost their final six, and they finished 4-13. and 13. And there has been some thought that maybe Joe Judge just is not the answer. I don't think anybody ever thought he was to begin with. The one thing that's interesting about the Giants, though, is do you want it to be Joe Judge or do you want to bring in somebody else because they have two picks in the top seven? They have the fifth overall pick and they have the seventh overall pick. I don't know that there is a quarterback that is supposed to be the transcendent level guy. There, there's not going to be a quarterback most likely taken in the top five this year. I mean, this is not one no. of those drafts. But with two picks in the top seven, you've got a chance that you could hit on a couple of these guys to really help change the direction if you believe Joe Judge is still the answer. I don't know how you could believe Joe Judge is the answer. I don't either. I mean, I, just, I mean, but of course, I don't know how you ever believed he was the answer at the beginning. Yeah. Um, I mean, just because he's off the Belichick tree, he hadn't done anything, really. Um, and he wasn't considered an offensive or defensive guru. He's a special teams guy. Um, and, you know, that mess they did today, quarterback sneak on third and nine, that alone's a fireball offense. Yeah, what bro. the hell was that? I mean, like, what what was that, bro? That's that's the ultimate give up, I quit play. Yeah. In that situation, uh, unless there's some great explanation for it that uh, that I missed after after the game, and that's that's entirely possible. But uh, you know, his whole rah rah thing, man, without having any skins on the wall, I just don't know how that works. Yeah, I don't either. And, and but again, six and ten in his first year, four and thirteen in year two. And then the other one that I look at, and, and like Houston, we already know. So we know Houston, Denver, and we know Jacksonville are all looking for head coaches. And then some of these other ones. I wonder if, if this is it for Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. Sure. It's got that tone to it, man. Justin Jefferson, the big-time wide receiver, has been speaking out more and more every week. Uh, Zimmer looks more and more pissed every week. <laughs> yeah. And I think he's done a solid job there. Um his problem, like a lot of people's problem, is they never solved the quarterback situation. Uh, they paid Kirk Cousins all that money, but even when they paid him, I think everybody yeah. understood why they did it. But you're like, you don't really think Kirk Cousins is taking you to the Super Bowl, do you? He's better than what you got, and, and you got the defense and some infrastructure you could put around him, and maybe you know the miracle will happen. But in the end, Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. Man. Yeah. He does just enough to put up numbers and look great statistically and win you nothing. Yeah, and, and, and Zim, from two years ago when they made it to the divisional round of the playoffs, 7-9 last year, 8-9 and nine this year, two consecutive years without a playoff appearance after eight seasons in Minnesota. Kind of wonder if, it's that, if that's it for him there with the Vikings. But we'll see. You always know there's, there's going to be somebody who gets laid off that is kind of surprising. I don't know who it'll be this year. We'll find out. But... It'll be interesting to see, you know, do the Raiders decide to go and, and hire somebody completely new and different? There's going to be openings. And Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore are going to be considered for those openings. I mean, Kellen Moore apparently interviewed with Jacksonville before the Eagles game the other day. And, and he's going to be a name, and, and you kind of wonder how different some of these names could be for the Cowboys next year. I, I kind of always thought Dan Quinn might be a one-and-done, especially the success that the defense had this year. You got to think that one of these teams out there would be looking at Dan Quinn as a, as a fantastic candidate. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people already started trying to put him in Denver. Um, I think, like you know, you know, Kellen Moore and like Dan Quinn, I think is has really represented himself well in Dallas. He's aff he's been affable. He's been good with the media. Um, you know, clearly his defense is working. 
Uh, I like the fact that he brought in a lot of the players, and so that's what you'd want a head coach to do. Um, so all the stuff about being a head coach, his experience, all that stuff looks good. Um, I think the thing about Kellen Moore is, and I put this on Twitter today, man, but I, I, I think he's a bad fit in Jacksonville primarily for this reason. <clears throat> Unless you thought he was, you know, God's gift to offensive football, mm. which is, okay, Trevor Lawrence has already had one first-time head coach. Yeah. Now we're going to give him another first-time head coach, even though this guy's a quarterback guy. I'm not, you know, he's my most valuable asset I have. I can't take a chance on here's another first-time coach who doesn't get it. Yeah. And so two years into or three years into uh, his regime, I got to fire him. And now Trevor's working on his third coach in five years, his third system. I mean, it's just I can't take a chance. I got to go get – and I don't even want a defensive guy messing with him. I want uh, I want an offensive guy uh, messing with Trevor Lawrence because he's your most valuable asset you got. He's the one you sank all the money and resources into, and he's the one who's got to hit if you're ever going to change. I think Bill O'Brien has a really good shot at, at leaving Alabama and, and going to Jacksonville. I wouldn't be surprised at all. And, you know, that whole thing that how it ended for him in Houston was really weird. But I think we were quick to forget that Bill O'Brien actually had some decent success in Houston. And, and the year before he got fired, they were 11 and 5 and 10 and 6 and 18 and 19. And he made the playoffs in four out of six seasons as, a, as the head coach at Houston. And, and you kind of wonder if somebody like that with an offensive mind would be what they're looking for that, that has experience as an NFL head coach. The dude traded DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of magic beans because he got mad at him. Yeah, I mean, you can't give him the power to be that. You, you can't let him be the GM as well. Just tell him well, to come coach. Trent, I mean, that's what Trent Baalke is there for. So uh, that's interesting. Um, Plus, he's touched the cloak of Saban, and, and we've seen these guys – you know, in the last few years from Lane Kiffin to Steve Sarkeesian that, okay, come in here and do a year or two under Saban, and then people are eager to give you another shot again because, well, if Saban vouches for you and you've learned from the master, surely we could benefit from that. Not a whole lot of people are doing that, man. So, yeah, no, I get it, man. He's he's going to be a name because of that. Uh be interesting to see uh, how much momentum he'll get from tomorrow night's championship game or Monday night's championship game. Yeah, especially if they bring it up, man, and they and they can win. So we'll see how it goes. It's going to be fantastic. But the Cowboys are in the playoffs. It's Cowboys and 49ers. And I still have not seen an official announcement on exactly when that game is going to be. No. Nah. And uh, I think, you know, I don't think the networks know. I think they're still hammering that because it's such a good option. Uh, it's probably more about the other games and, you know, because Cowboys are going to do their number wherever you put them. It's about where you can get your biggest bang on the other games. Yeah. But we'll be back and we'll have Todd Archer on our next podcast. We'll have Ed Werder, Clarence Hill Jr. this week as we are getting you ready to go for Cowboys and 49ers next weekend. I, I think it's fantastic. I know some 49ers fans. I can't wait for this. I have a lot of belief that the Cowboys can get this one. But first things first, you got to win it. You got to win your wild card playoff game and, and get Dak another playoff win under his belt, which would be fantastic. I mean, it, it's people forget how truly difficult it is to win in this league. They really do. They, they forget how difficult it is and how rare it is to have quarterbacks that can win a playoff game. Dak has one playoff win. Can he get maybe playoff wins two, three, four, five? <laughs> You got to win four more games to win the Super Bowl. Right. We'll start with number two. But no, it's going to be fun, man. Um, 
this is this is what you play for. I mean, they won twelve games. They had a terrific yeah. season, bro. Uh, it had some ebb and flow to it, uh, but they're going to be known for what they did in the playoffs because we've seen them have good regular right. seasons before. We've seen that, and as enjoyable as it is, we've seen it. That's about making it happen in the playoffs. Um, I've said this, so I'm not breaking any news here. Uh, we all know the deal, man. Your legacy is formed by what you do in the playoffs. It is. Uh, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, it's what you do in the playoffs. Why do we think of Tony Romo a certain way? Because of the stuff that he did in the playoffs. Why do we think of Roger Staubach and Troy Aikman a different way? Because of the stuff that they did in the playoffs. It ain't complicated, bro. You're exactly right. And that path begins next weekend for the Dallas Cowboys. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. Also brought to you by Hector Flores with Modern Woodman of America. Let him help you secure your family's future. You can give him a call at 940-453-3490. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.